Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. This morning, um, we are continuing our series of Fire It Up, week three. And it is inspired from a scripture in Leviticus uh, 6, 12 to 13. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. And it's this idea that God's people will live with the Holy Spirit fire burning continuously in us. That we are living in the fullness of God. Pastor Luke spoke last week about prayer and the principles and the outline that Jesus taught his disciples. And I truly hope that this week that has come and gone wasn't just the same old, but that it became an opportunity to train in being with God, both for seasoned prayers and those that are starting on their journey with God. Because being devoted to God and loving Him doesn't come with an I have arrived status. Even though sometimes some of us have been loving God for a long time, you know, we can start thinking, oh, I've heard this all before, or this is really getting boring. But maybe, just maybe, that's an indication that our fire that is within us is becoming embers. Delighting in God, enjoying Him and dealing with Him is a lifelong practice. And it is both beautiful and frustrating as we navigate this world and our circumstances and our emotions, living as his people that face discouragement, that face struggles, but honestly, a heart truly devoted to Jesus is enviable. I don't envy you if you have a Porsche, because whether you have one or I have one, that's not gonna make a difference when the rubber hits the road. Pun intended. In this day and age, our standing with God, knowing that we are right with Him, nothing hindering our relationship with Him because we've surrendered to Him, possessing His joy and His peace that truly surpasses all understanding by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. That is living, experiencing the kingdom of God right here. That is enviable. William Porcel said this. It is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our own lives. But there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's 
presence in our routine of daily living. We know that the early church devoted themselves to Jesus. They devoted themselves to being taught the word of God. They devoted themselves to their community in Christ. They devoted themselves to remembering what Jesus did for them on the cross by breaking bread together as he instructed them to do. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And if we look at church history, we see that God's people in this kind of devotion, living this way, unlocks God's will that is in heaven and it brings its manifestation on earth. Our devotion to God draws his power. There is just something about someone who is burning with a fire, it's captivating. And I'm not talking about a personality type. I mean, some of us are naturally effervescent, but I'm talking about someone whose passion for Christ and his cause is obvious. It is obvious that you're so beautifully lit up on their side that wherever you are, hope lives. Luke tells us, that when the day of Pentecost came, they're all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came to rest on each of them. And then they began speaking other languages as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and as the Spirit enabled them. What would it look like? If every follower of Jesus lived with the fire of the Holy Spirit continuously burning in them. How many followers of Christ do we have in the room today or watching online? That means you. That means me. And just picture for a moment if you look around the room, have a look around the room, and there sitting above each person is a tongue of fire. And as you walked out this morning, you and your tongue of fire went into your worlds, into your life, interacting with your family, your friends, your colleagues, your peers, your teammates, and with that person at the checkout counter burning with purpose. Because we're all called to works of service. Paul tells us in Ephesians that the job of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We don't work for God's affection. We work from it. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, that it is by grace that you have been saved, through faith. You cannot earn God's, your way into in a relationship with God. It's not works-based, because it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Lest we boast about it if it was works-based. But it goes on in verse 10 that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do 
good works that he has prepared for us in advance. So we made right with God solely by his incredible grace through Jesus, who died for our sins, and then having faith in him. And those who earnestly seek him will find him, both at the start and during the journey with Jesus. But from that point where you've received the greatest gift that you will ever receive, we are commissioned for the good works that God has planned for us. We are essentially mobilized to become God's kingdom activators in this world. I think that's wonderful. We, we don't function to keep God's affection. We already have it. But from our relationship with God, as we commune with him, we become like him. And we're going to see that this morning. You know, friends, we were never meant to be sitting ducks with our going to heaven card in our hands, going through life, living it up or down, minding our business, and then calling on God whenever we need him. We are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, that a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamb and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? You know, I'm not here this morning just because. I didn't just all of a sudden decide to follow Jesus and wham, here I am. Throughout my life, there has been people that have had an all-consuming fire burning inside of them in the places that I have been in. And that included teachers, high school friends, person at work, various God's ministers of, of his word, and God's people. And here I am today. And borrowing from Joyce Meyer's words, I'm not entirely who I want to be. But I thank God by his grace that I'm not who I used to be. Empty, purposeless, there is a passion and a fire burning inside of me that refuses to be quenched because I want everyone to know the Jesus that I know because where he is, is life. But I am who I am because of God's grace. It is his presence that sustains me. That is why knowing him is so important. It reminds me of a clip that I saw a few weeks ago, and, I, and I'm sure most of you have seen it. Presence is so important. What a beautiful, sweet girl. And it greatly moved me when I saw this, because she was so happy and relieved that her people were present. In my imagination, 
God could be that sweet girl, just eager to have you in his presence because he pursues us and waits for us like Gary mentioned this morning. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter if we got it wrong a second ago, but the minute we choose to dwell with him, everything changes. And when we do come to him daily, God is like, yay, my daughter is here to commune with me. Yay, my son is here. Prayer isn't dutiful. It's not like something we have to do. It's relational. Imagine if I stopped speaking to Alfred. How do you think that would go? It wouldn't. Like we wouldn't be married for almost two decades. But let me tell you, in the two decades that I have communed with this man, I know him. And we can be across the room and I can look at him and I know exactly what he's thinking. Ask him, why? Because for two decades, I'm in this relationship with him. And trust me, a lot of it is dealing with but that's what it's like with God. And that's why praying and reading his word is often goes together. Because as we start being with God, interacting with him and his thoughts, we start hearing him more clearly because who he is is living on the inside of us. And as we consume his word, we become more in tune with him his will, and his ways. And what we consume, we communicate one way or another. So it's important what we're giving our attention to because we're becoming that. Because what we spend time with, we become. What we are pondering on and making habits of, we're becoming. So what is occupying most of our attention daily? Is it TikTok? Or are we so obsessed with attaining that certain thing that, 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 that consumes us that we must have? Perhaps what we should do, as Paul said, is just assess where we're at at the beginning of 2023 and maybe reorganize ourselves and our lives and make an intentional commitment to commune with our Father. We can be in places where we give God some of our lives, but really God wants all access to our lives. Paul tells us in Corinthians what Pastor Luke said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and as we contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image in ever-increasing glory. As we spend time with God and look at him, behold him, we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit into his image with ever-increasing glory. We adopt his will and we adopt his way. 
this act of relationship with God, bringing him glory and working from God's love to attain unity in him and with one another leads us to live in the fullness of God. And that is what Jesus desires for his church. Pastor Luke mentioned the scenario where Peter and John healed a lame man that had asked for money. And that happened shortly after the tongue of fires had come and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Through that, they were arrested and brought before the Jewish leadership. And they were asked, by what power or in what name do you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaimed, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man before you is healed and that salvation is in no one else. There is no other name under heaven which has been given by which we must be saved. And when the leadership observed the boldness of Peter and John and that they were unschooled, untrained, they were amazed because they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. There was nothing special about Peter and John. They were just fishermen. But filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit and bearing the fruit of relationship with Jesus. They were doing exactly what Jesus prayed that they would do. And let's look at that prayer this morning in John 17. Jesus prayed this prayer in his final hours, and it's often referred to as the prayer of consecration. And in it, we see what is important to Jesus. And so it should be important to us. We have this privilege of observing the sacred conversation between father and son, as his disciples did. So we approach it in a spirit of worship and humility. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Please bear with me. I want to honor Jesus. Would you read it along with me? And then I'll single out some of the things that were important to Jesus. John 17, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. 
I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those that you've been given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None have been lost except to the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. He was talking about Judas. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so they, that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am not of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through your message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me have loved me just as you've loved them just as you've loved me father i want those you've given me to be with me where i am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world righteous father though the world does not know you i know you and they know that you have sent me i have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Amen. Our Jesus prayed this prayer and we get to see the love and honor shared between Jesus and God, Son and Father. Their continuous commune because Jesus just picked up where he left off, he prayed for himself. He prayed for his current disciples and he prayed for the future disciples that will hear the gospel from those first apostles, the future church. Us sitting here today hearing the gospel of John from the first apostle. Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for me. He's so in completely orientated towards the will of the Father, and God the Father was glorified through his life and his work. And what we hear Jesus pray for his church is this, to know God, 
for us to complete the work that he has for us, to experience his joy, which was rooted in this unbroken fellowship with God the Father, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made holy by his word, and to be unified. Unity was so important to Jesus. He mentions it four times in this prayer. To be united as he and the Father are united in divine union, in a life of conversation and mission. And he glorified the Father by completing the work that God gave him to do. And we, in turn, glorify God the Father and God the Son by doing the work that he's prepared us to do. Like Jesus said, let your light shine before others, that when they see your good deeds, that they will glorify your Father in heaven. We glorify God in our worship, in our words, and in our work, like Peter and John, Jesus prayed that we'd be united in truth, that God sanctify the disciples by truth, meaning setting them apart, becoming holy, that his word is truth, that the revelation of Jesus is truth, that truth is the person of Jesus. We are united in Jesus. We follow the same Lord. We proclaim the same message. We obey the same teaching. We suffer for the same cause, and we share the same hope. And how we establish and maintain unity is by, is by common truth. The divine revelation that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That we are moving in the same direction with the message that Jesus came to earth. Our lives have been changed and are changing. And from that, we go out bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit through our communion with God, being the light of the world so that others too may want to surrender their lives to Jesus. New Testament scholar Gary Burge said this, the church is a community that invites people to touch the glory of God, to be changed by it and to bear it to the world. This is to my Father's glory. He's quoting John 15, 18, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Spiritual fruit is essentially what glorifies God, which comes from our union with Him. The Holy Spirit does the work in us when we spend time with God. I dare you to try it. So unity, truth, holiness, mean being set apart, and mission are good deeds is what Jesus desires for his church. People are looking for places where God seems present and where he can be felt. They want to experience God. It's like what Pastor Luke mentioned this morning, and he, and he said it in our, in our uh, team meeting, that there has to be something tangible when people come where we are gathered. 
Like we're going out in the world, but even they come here, they have to feel the presence of God. You know, um, we were away this past week, and you know, every time we are gay, away, Alpha and I just look for a place of worship. We've we've always done this, and we went to a place of worship, and after the service, and this isn't always the case, I said to Alfred, it felt like I was at home because the presence of God was so tangible. Yes, the stats are saying that Christianity is declining, but people are still looking for spirituality. They're just looking for it in other places. And why is that happening? If you look at the prayer that Jesus prayed in his final hours and what is important to him, perhaps that will answer the question. Jesus prays again and again about unity. Psalm 133 says how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. When we are in unity... There is life and people experience God. Living our own agendas and tapping into God or into his community on the by and by defeats the whole purpose of the world seeing how different we are and how different we live. We are to be marked by our love for one another so that the world can see that love and thereby see God's love for them. Otherwise... We have nothing different to offer. And we have to then ask, what is it that hinders or destroys unity? Pride. Where we shift our ultimate confidence in God to confidence in self. We have this excessive preoccupation with our own importance, our achievements, our status, and our positions. And this is on the increase in this hyper-individualistic world that we're living in. Pride means we no longer follow the same Lord because he's not Lord of our lives. We make our desires, our idols, our God. Division. Division destroys unity. A divided house will not stand. It's no longer the truth that Jesus, that it is Jesus that governs us, but my truth, what I believe, what my preferences are, irrespective that we have God's word freely available to us, teaching us about God, training us in righteousness, which includes rebuke and correction. We like Jesus. We like him. But obeying him, that, that's a little bit hardcore. And then before we know it, we're living our truth and it divides us. And we're no longer obeying the same teaching. Jealousy. Jealousy destroys unity. James said in his letter, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have 
because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend on what you get on your pleasures. We become jealous of others. Instead of suffering for the same cause, like Peter and John, sitting in a jail for healing a man and proclaiming the message of God, we cause others to suffer by fighting and quarreling because we're not getting our own way or what we want. Our tongue destroys unity. Proverbs 16.28 says, A contrary person spreads conflict. And a gossip separates close friends. There can be no unity if we're talking about each other and breaking each other down. We see that everywhere in the church today. The church, the universal church, the church that's meant to be the light of the world, the church that stands set apart because how we love each other separates us. How we love each other makes them want to be in the same place. Our words are to encourage, they to build one another up, and they to proclaim the good news that is Jesus. Amen? If I can ask the worship band to come up. I'm sure you've come to realize that living God's way often puts us at odds with culture. That was the scenario of the early church. They were completely at odds with culture. Yet living this life in unity, this devotion that they had, devoted to Jesus and proclaiming the message of Christ, led to Peter and John being arrested. But while they're being arrested, added to their number was 5,000 men. God's will was manifested on earth through this community that were devoted to Jesus. People saw something in them that they like, there's life here, there's hope here. We're living in this world that everyone does what they want to do pretty much like today, but they're going, what is it about these people? I want in on that. What is it about that guy at work? There's some join in, but yet his boss put him over burning coals, but he comes in out there and there's a peace within him because his peace and his joy isn't governed by his circumstances. It is in the name of Jesus that he spent time with Jesus in the morning and Jesus said, you are my beloved. Nothing can separate me from my love. And even if you did this, it's okay, you come to me.
Because if we all will be in unity with each other, lighting up whichever room that we are in. Thank you for listening to Rivers Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.